professor at Oxford University <clears throat> was lecturing a group of medical students on the importance of observing details. And on his desk, he had this flask containing a urine sample. He said simply, by, simply by tasting the contents of this flask, it is possible to determine what disease the patient has. So he dipped his finger in the flask, and then he put it in his mouth, and he passed the flask around, instructing all of the students in the classroom to do as he had done. You can imagine, as the flask comes in front of them, they didn't want to do it, but every one of them stuck their finger in the flask, touched it to their tongue, some of them with kind of harsh results. When it had gone all the way around the room and it got back to the professor, the professor said, now, had you been paying attention, you would have seen that I stuck my index finger into the flask and my middle finger in my mouth. <laughs> now, there's always a moral to the story. Can you just imagine? I can think of several things that would have happened to this professor had he pulled that trash in my class. But uh, can you just imagine the results the moral is you've got to be very careful who you listen to. You've got to be very careful whom you obey. Because you don't want to do one thing thinking it's the right thing, only to find out later it's the wrong thing. Sometimes it was disgustingly wrong. You don't, you don't want to follow the wrong people. Now, we're, in the, we're concluding our counterfeit series today. And the whole goal of this series has been to identify the real thing. We've looked at several aspects of the Christian life as revealed to us by Jesus through the Bible. And uh, this re the reason this matters is that if what Jesus said was true, then many people are going to miss heaven because they're on the wrong road. Jesus said there's one real thing and every other way is a counterfeit. Everything else is fake. And since that's true, then... then He's not being narrow-minded when he tells us the truth. There is a su such thing as absolute truth. And uh, have you ever noticed that the people who claim to be open-minded are usually the ones who are most likely to reject absolute truth? Well, it may be true for you, but it's not true for me. It may be true in this situation, but it's not true in this situation. Well, according to the Bible, there is absolute truth, and absolute truth has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about this, the importance of discovering absolute truth. But it's not enough to discover absolute truth. You have to then obey absolute truth. So absolute truth has a name. It's Jesus Christ. And uh, this, this talk is kind of crucial to you guys who are... Last week, you know, we talked about your level of commitment, and we said that, that the, the least committed are those who are curious. They're just coming because they're curious. And we said that, that they're the least committed, but oftentimes they're the most truthful because at least they're upfront about, I don't know about this Christianity thing. I don't know, man. I'm very skeptical about the whole thing. I love curious people. In fact, we, we started New Life to reach curious people. And this, this talk is very important for you if you're at the curious level because I'm going to show you exactly what Jesus Christ means when he says he wants your life. You're going to know upfront what God wants from you. Now, we also said that there's the crowd level and there's the congregation level and there's the, the core level. And I asked you to identify which level you were at. And we're talking about in the Christian life, it's all about movement. You should be moving to a deeper level with Jesus Christ. No matter which level you're at, if you're, if you're at one of those, you do not want to live a lie. All right. 
You don't want to be fake. You certainly don't want to be seen as fake. So this talk is important to you because you're going to be reminded what Jesus requires from you. You want to be real and you want to follow the real thing. Now, let me point out here. At this point, some people start getting nervous. Read with me Romans 3.10. There is no one who always does what is right, not even one. Now, I'm not talking about being perfect because this is not a trick question. According to this verse, how many people, other than Jesus Christ, how many people do what's right all the time? No one. All right, so all of us are in that category, right? None of us here always does what is right. So I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about loading you down with a bunch of rules and regulations that you have to follow. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell and everybody at New Life is going to look down on you. Because we don't do that around here. We're not into behavior modification. Having said that, there is one whose job is behavior modification and his name is the Holy Spirit. So I want to tell you the truth. We are always about being real here, being honest about our problems, but being honest that there is one who wants to change your behavior. And he's the one that comes and lives inside you when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. And he loves you just like you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you like you are. Now, all of that to say, there is a definition for someone who is a candidate for counterfeit obedience. And it's simply this. Pretending that disobedience is obedience. And you're going, oh, come on. Nobody does that. Yeah. And there's three primary ways we do that. Let's look at them. Number one is what we're going to call the get out of jail free card. That's a lot to put in that one blank. All these teenagers on the front row are always trying to guess what's on there. Yeah, you didn't guess that one. I didn't show you how many words were in the blanks. The idea here is that you have a side agreement with God that says you don't have to do everything that's required of every other Christian. You say, God, I'm going to buy into this Christian thing and I'm going to follow you in a lot of areas in my life. But come on, God, there are some areas where you call me to follow you, you call me to obedience that I just really don't want to obey. I have, I have no desire to change. But since I don't like the idea of disobeying you, God, and I sure don't like the idea of admitting that I disobey God on a regular basis, kind of a pattern in my life, since that I, I'm going to rationalize my sin to the point that I'm going to say in my situation, I'm different and I have a get-out-of-jail-free card. I know the Bible says one thing, and I'm going to choose to do another thing, but it's okay because I have the card. I know the Bible says to forgive, but you have no idea how much they hurt me. You don't know what they did to me, and I've got the card. I know the Bible says not to have sex before marriage, but have you seen my girlfriend? Or let's be totally honest. I know the Bible says not to have sex, but I am so needy that the only time I feel love is when I totally disregard what you say about sex before marriage and I give myself to another person that I don't care what the Bible says, I'm not going to do it because I've got the card. I know, God, you say not to live together before marriage, 
But we can't possibly, possibly afford the rent. And there's no way you can provide, even though you own it all. But all of that's okay because I've got the card. And, and come on, God. Your word hasn't been updated in over 2,000 years. There's some stuff in there that, that, quite frankly, is out of date. And because you're a God of love and grace, I'm going to pretend that you're on the throne of my life and you're in charge. And for most people, total obedience is perfectly acceptable, but for not, not for me, because I've got the card. There are circumstances in my life that you, as my creator, can't possibly understand. So I'm just not going to obey you. But it's okay, because I've got the card. Do we understand each other, God? Now, I don't know any of you that would just stand up right now and go, That's me! (laughs) But I've got to tell you, I've seen this in every church I've been in. I've been a minister for almost 27 years now. Dude, it has been 27. Almost 28. Every church I've ever been in, from the little church outside of Waco to New Life Community Church, this has been a reality in a lot of people's lives. And the problem is the get-out-of-jail-free card is a lie. It's a counterfeit. It does not exist. Let me show you how I know. 1 John 2, 4-6. through 6. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a what? Now, don't go out and say, preacher called me a liar. No, God did. Preacher just read the Bible. That person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So the Bible is saying real clearly, love equals obedience. Disobedience means counterfeit love. Second way that we live out this counterfeit obedience is what I'm going to call the Christian buffet. If you go to Beijing China Buffet or you go to Ryan's Steakhouse today when we finish... What do you, what's the first thing you're going to do after you pay? You get your little plate and you walk around up and down the aisles, don't you? And you're looking and you're looking. And what do you put on the plate? The things you hate? No. It's the stuff you like. You're going to pick out those things that taste good to you and you're going to fill your plate with those probably several times, much like you did at Thanksgiving. I had three pieces of chocolate pie yesterday. The fourth one was actually more like Two pieces because I was scraping all the good stuff that everybody left. That's a rule at my house. It's a washburn rule. You leave the good stuff there, the next person who comes, which is usually me, can scoop all of that out and put it on there. So I didn't eat a whole lot. I I mean, I had some ham and I had some mashed potatoes and some corn, but I saved room. I had one piece of pecan pie and three pieces of chocolate pie yesterday. That was was me. Because, you know, who's going to pick spinach when you got sopapilla cheesecake? What kind of brainless idiot would do that? So, the Christian buffet works just like that. You pick and choose those things you like. If there's something in here that helps out your life, like how to be a better marriage partner. Dude, who wouldn't want that? Sure, I'll take the scoop of that on my plate. And, and somebody says, well, I need, I need wisdom about how to be a better parent. It's in here. Man, somebody's going to take a scoop of that. 
But what happens when there's things in there that you don't like, that make you feel uncomfortable? Not a chance. That's spinach. I don't want spinach. I don't want anything that's good for me. I just want what I like. So you end up with a Christianity made up of only things that you like. And simply because you have food on your plate, you think you're doing okay. You fooled yourself into thinking that because I obey in a few things, I'm okay. I I obey here. Not over there. But I obey here, so I'm not that bad. Here again, the problem with, with the buffet Christianity is that you are in control, not God. It's a fake Christianity. You wind up, up having a distorted God. And when I say this God, I'm talking about the lowercase g. When you're talking about the God, the one and only God, that's a capital G. But when I talk about any other God, that's a lowercase g. So you end up having this distorted God, lowercase g, made in your image. And he's a fake God, lowercase g. And it's a counterfeit that's going to lead you and others straight to hell. Again, how do I know this? This comes straight from Jesus' mouth. Matthew 7, 21. Not all who sound religious are really godly people. They may refer to me as Lord, but still won't get to heaven. I've underlined this and and bolded it so that you'll know. For the decisive question is whether they obey my Father in heaven. As at the judgment, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we told others about you and used your name to cast out demons and to do many other great miracles. We picked and cho- choose, pick and chose those things that we wanted. We had a buffet line of the good stuff of Christianity. And Jesus said, but I will reply, you have never been mine. Go away for your deeds are evil. I think the worst possible words to ever hear from God after you die and stand before him are... You have never been mine. Go away from me because you're evil. And according to Jesus, many people, just right before this, you know, we've talked about this several times before. Verse 13 and 14 of chapter 7, Jesus says, There are many counterfeit roads that lead to destruction. There's one road that leads to heaven. And then right here, Jesus says, Many people are on the wrong road. Very few find the right one. And they're going to hear those words. The question, the decisive question, according to these verses, whether you are God's or not, is do you obey? Not do I obey the things I like. Not what do I like, but what does God say? That's the decisive question. It's a whole lot deeper issue than what many of us have been led to believe. The standard is what does God say? So the Christian buffet is a lie. There's a third thing. Third way we practice counterfeit obedience, and it's the great debate. Here, you have the appearance of a deep intellectual thinker to justify your disobedience. Say you come across an issue where it's very clearly stated in God's word what you're supposed to do. So instead of admitting your blatant disobedience, you'll say something like, I don't think the Bible's all that clear on this issue, when, when it is. Or you'll say, I don't think the Bible is really an accurate representation of what God intends in this area. And so you have this this, uh, appearance to the casual listener that you're really smart, that you're really this deep thinker. Now, let me say this. I love questions. 
One time we were on a ski trip coming back from Colorado and, and kids just started. It was one of the coolest things ever. Teenagers just started asking me questions. They said, what about this? What about this? What about this? And before long, we were in this circle on the bus and, and Janie was back at the back just sleeping or something for eight hours. Finally, it got so crazy that I had to have the kids start writing their questions down. Because we would go through stuff, had my Bible open, we would talk about stuff for eight hours. We were talking about questions. It was awesome. I, I am not afraid of questions. You ask me any question you want to. But if you're going to be intellectually honest, when your questions have been answered, you can't make up more as an excuse not to follow God. Right? So if you're going to come, come on, bring them on. But only bring them on if you really want to hear the answer, not if you're just putting up some fake wall because you don't want to obey. All right, that was free. In reality, your intellectual game playing boils down to this. Either you're watering down God's word, the clear teaching of scripture, or you're saying, this thing has no authority in my life. That's what this is, the great debate. Now, honest questions, great. But once they've been answered, if you just keep making stuff up because you don't want to obey, you're watering down God's word, which is our standard. If you come to class 101 two weeks from today, you'll hear that God's word is our authority. And when we're under his authority, then God does all kinds of great things through us. When we're outside of his authority, we are on our own. You're either watering down the clear teaching or the authority of scripture. But really, really, here's the thing. (laughs) What you're saying is this thing is useless. What you're really saying is you don't like truth and the truth of God's word is so heavy that you're going to run away rather than confront truth. And you know what? What many people don't realize is the Bible knows, the Bible understands just how tough it is. Let me show you again, Hebrews 4.12, what the Bible says about itself. For whatever God says to us is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest dagger, cutting swift and deep into our innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts, exposing us for what we really are. Just leave that part up there for a second, Ashley. Exposing us for what we really are. Um, I had surgery on my knee. Y'all know this a couple weeks ago. And, uh, my knee had been hurting for a long time, just a long time, just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I was out here digging in the dirt last year and uh, it was muddy. We were trying to find a water leak and my feet were down in there and I went to turn and my feet were stuck in the mud and I hear this pop and it was, it was great. It was awesome. And uh, so I'd been limping, you know, for a long time and Janie makes me go dancing with her and, and I'd come home and my knee would hurt and I'd whine. Oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. When I got tired of the pain, I called the doctor and I said, dude, we got to do something. I'm sick of this. Because, you know, I, we joined the Y and there's certain things I, can't, I couldn't do. Like, like anything that lunges and stuff like that. And every aerobics class and every DVD that you put, there's lunges. And I, I really, I couldn't do them. I would do them after a while and I would fall over because I just couldn't do it. It would hurt. And so when I got tired of the pain, I went to the doctor and I said, dude, you need to do something. Doctor said, that's what I do. So he takes me to surgery. We go to surgery. Now, what I didn't want the doctor to do was say, oh, it's okay. We'll pretend to go to surgery. I'll pretend that I'm going to cut on you. And I'll wrap you up and send you home. Good as new. I'd have been going, dude, are you on something? 
I am not paying you to pretend to do surgery on me. I want this fixed. So he goes in and he's, he scrapes it up. You know, there was a little bit of chip on the meniscus. And then he said, there's arthritis because like I'm getting old. That just blessed my heart when he said, man, you have arthritis and it's never going to be any better. I'm like, yay. It's bad enough. I lost my hair. Now my knee is full of anyway. God, you know, here's the thing. So many of us want to go to church and pretend that our lives are okay. We want someone to tell us that we're really not that bad. And that no matter what we do, it's okay. And we want to walk out the door feeling good about ourselves. And I can't do that. We're all about grace here. We're all about loving you. We started this church for cocaine snorting, skirt chasing, hellbound lost people. We want you here. But we're not going to pretend that God's word says it's okay to keep living that lifestyle. When you get tired of pretending, when the pain gets deep enough, that you're ready to go and say to the God of the universe who is called the great physician, I can't stand the pain any longer. God says, now I got you where I want you. Because I can work with people who are tired of the pain. But folks who like the pain and folks who like to make excuses and like to play the great debate and like to do all of this stuff, God says, I can't work with you because you're in charge. Make sense? We're so good at playing these games that we're not about to let God's word do surgery on our hearts. Being real about who you are and who I am. Before Christ, I was hopelessly lost with no hope of finding the way to heaven. And what I do, I am a sinner Saved by grace. In, in Celebrate Recovery, one of the ways you introduce yourself, hi, I am, I am Doug, I'm a grateful believer in Christ who struggles with, you don't identify, you don't say, I am an addict, I struggle with whatever your issues are because God is changing me from the inside out through the power of His Holy Spirit. Being fake leads you to hell. Being real leads you to true freedom. That's why we preach sometimes hard messages. Not everybody does this, the games the way I've described them. Some people, some people are blatantly, willfully disobedient. disobedient. They say to God, God, you take all of your little obedient stuff, you take yourself and just hit the road because I am not going to obey. There are some who do that. Most of us play one of these games. Most of us pretend to be obedient when we know we're not being obedient. And look what John 14, 23 says. Jesus replied, our founder replied, if anyone loves me, they will obey me. Then my father will love them and we will come to them and live in them. If you're doing experiencing God, this whole last week has been on obedience. And you just say an ouch every day. Because Jesus says, obedience equals love. Disobedience equals counterfeit love. If you have an obedience problem, you really have a heart problem. You have a relationship problem with God. Obedience separates true believers from fake ones. When God gives you a command, you're not just supposed to go, wow, yep, God says it. God says not to do this. Yep, it's there. 
Let's talk about it. Let's debate it. Let's observe it. Yep, it's right there. You're not supposed to do that. God gives you a command so that you obey it. Obedience equals love. Okay, so what is authentic? If those are counterfeit, what is authentic? Obedience, it's this. Total surrender to God's authority. Total surrender. Now leave that up there for a second, Ashley. Let's just break this down real quickly. You've got to come to grips that, that authentic truth, absolute truth has a name, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Truth is a person. He has a name. Truth is Jesus Christ. So you settle that in, in your mind that you're going to follow absolute truth. And then this total surrender thing. Surrender, and the Bible talks about this in the book of Jeremiah. Surrender has the idea of clay in a potter's hand. Does the clay get to say what it's going to be turned into? Not unless there's some really freaky stuff you're smoking while you're trying to do that. If, if your clay has lips and starts talking to you, you need to leave. You need to sober up. The clay just is a lump until the potter takes it and begins to mold it and shape it. And then the potter gets to shape it into anything he wants or she wants and then sets it on the side. The only time that clay object is ever useful is if it stays in the potter's hand and does whatever the potter chooses to do with it. Surrender means I say to God, I'm not in charge. And whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do. Now, at 17, I did that at a, at a youth camp, and I thought I was going to be the worship pastor. Actually, they didn't have them back then. Music ministers is what we called them back then. So I went forward in my church, and I said, God, I'm going to be a music minister. And I preached a sermon a couple years later, and somebody said, you're going to be a preacher. I said, no, 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 no. Don't like preachers, don't want to be a preacher. I will never be a preacher. <sighs> 19 years later, I became a preacher. <clears throat> and people say, you don't look like a preacher. I say, thank you, thank you. That's my goal in life, not to look like a preacher. Surrender means I give my life to God because He's in charge and He knows better than I do. He has all power and He wants to use me to accomplish His purpose. Surrender to God's authority. Here's what God's authority is. Authority means God has the right, the power, and the position to tell you what to do. You cannot say, God is my God, God is my Lord, and then turn around and say, uh, no, Lord. Two words that cannot go in the Christian vocabulary is no, Lord, because then he's not your Lord. Because then you are on the throne and you believe you're God. And he says, okay. Dude, you got to quit clicking. Whoever's clicking. Y'all forgot last week. One of these days everybody's going to remember. Now, if you have your registration cards, would you take those out? Fill them out real quickly. And then on the back, I want you to write down which of these things you are most tempted to do. Are you tempted to play the get-out-of-jail-free card? Are you tempted to play the Christian buffet thing? Are you tempted to play the great debate? Which of those things are most 
troublesome for you. And then I want you to write down, this is, this is between you and God. You'll have some time to think about that in just a minute. I want you to write down whether or not you will say yes to God. See, when you really are surrendered to God, you say yes to Him before you even know what He's going to ask you to do. And so, if you're willing in just a moment, and you, you have some time, because we're going to take the Lord's Supper, but you have some time, if you're willing to say yes to God, you just write the word yes at the bottom of your card. Don't even know what it is, God, but because you're God, I'm going to say yes. And if you have any prayer concerns, you write that on there as well.